We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I am your host. We're doing another Get to Know series today, and joining me to do that is Mr. Cam Lemons, who is a contributor for Blogger So Dear and Demon Deacon Digest for SB Nation and 247 Sports. Cam, thanks for taking the time to join me today. How are you doing? Hey, Steven. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's a nice little Wednesday afternoon here, so good day. <laughs> Yeah, it is a good day for sure. We're, uh, I don't know about you guys, how hot it gets in the summer, but we're like a week out from like the start of summer temperatures uh, here in Fresno, California, where it's going to be like 100 degrees. So uh, enjoying some like, cool like weather while we have hundred, it. Isn't it? Huh? It's like a good 100. It's like a good 100, isn't it? Not too, not too humid like us, us East Coasters that it gets 80 degrees and we're just swampy all day. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's dry heat out here, but uh, I mean, 100 degrees is still really hot. But fair, fair, I, fair. I see what you're saying. So uh, we're here to talk about Jasir Taylor. And I know there was a little bit of doubt because our, our social media intern actually interviewed Jasir. He does go by jaw. Uh, Cam confirmed that before. Can't, so Can't confirm. <laughs> can't confirm. So we'll talk about uh, jaw Taylor today and, and some of the other Demon Deacons that uh, you know were drafted this past weekend. So I want to start there, just kind of general stuff. I was a big fan of Zach Tom uh, heading into this draft class and arguably – landing in the perfect situation with the Green Bay Packers. What do you make of uh, that situation for Zach and uh, where he ended up being drafted? Um, I thought it was great. I mean, Packers needed to surround Aaron Rodgers with more than what they had. Um, I was someone that was banging on the table for Zach Tom to really kind of get more love than he was getting in the draft process. I mean, it was, he was a guy that sort of played all around the offensive line. He started his, his – career off at center, um, then moved the tackle once uh, Justin Heron, who now plays for the Patriots, uh, went down and then uh, moved back to center when Justin Heron came back up. But, I mean, you talk to offensive line coach Nick Tabaka, and he's like, yeah, he can play any line, position on the line if you wanted to. Um, the, the real fun thing about him was the fact that he just profiled so well. Like, I, I'm pretty sure when I wrote the article about him after he impressed at the Combine, it was like, yeah, oh, yeah, the person that he most closely resembles is the second best center in the in the 
in the NFL right now. So it's like, okay, cool. Like he's either Creed Humphrey or if you throw him at guard, he's either Joel Betonio or Evan Mathis or Joe Thunny. And I know like he's not, he hasn't accomplished anything yet, but we see him have these amazing sort of measurables and a great, um, great sort of combine. And then you look at the film and you see him against Jermaine Johnson, who was a first round pick, absolutely shot him down for an entire, an entire game. And it's like, well, he was doing that for the last four years. And it's, yeah. you know, at a certain point of why, when we're hyping up guys like Jermaine, who deserve to be hyped up, why not give a little bit more love to the guys that were actually doing well against them? <laughs> yeah, and I think we had we had a similar conversation after the draft about Jamari Sawyer and, and what he did against Michigan and Alabama, and then uh, ends up falling to the sixth round. So right. <laughs> um, I, I think that's absolutely fair. The other one I wanted to get your thoughts on before we talk about Jaw was uh, Jaquari Robertson. I was really surprised that he didn't end up getting drafted. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head where he ended up signing, but what'd you make of Jaquari not getting drafted? Uh, Q ended up going to the Cowboys. Um, and okay. I was a little, right. little surprised of him not getting drafted. I mean, why? I don't think wide receivers are going the way of running backs, and you know you can kind of find one wherever. But we've kind of seen more of a rise of you know you can just pick out one and it'll, it'll work. I, I think he might have been someone that once it got to the sixth, seventh round was just, you know, don't draft me, um, which happens sure. a lot. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure he got a nice signing bonus, like same thing with Luigi Delane. Um, I'm not, I, I think he'll fit in well with there, um, especially after, you know, kind of all the issues with the Cowboys have had at the receiver. Um, there were some nicks on him. I mean, he ended the season hurt, um, ended up missing both uh, the Gator Bowl and the Shrine and the East West Shrine Bowl because of a nagging um, lower body injury. And I think that kind of held him back a little bit. I mean, he also wasn't the fastest guy in the world. And I think that's something that, you know, I think is definitely, I think this, the NFL is moving more towards speed, 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 but kind of, again, he's just someone that catches everything that goes, that goes to him. And I mean, for a guy yeah. who's almost six, one in the slot, that's kind of what you want there. So, I mean, I was a bit surprised, but I mean, once he has all he signed within about an hour of the drafting over, he was fine. So <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a good spot for him. You know, now that you mentioned the Cowboys, I think, you know, the Michael Gallup injury there potentially right. opening up a roster spot initially. I think that could be good for him. Um, all right, let's dive into uh, Jasir Jaw Taylor and, and kind of talk about him for a second here. And I always like to go back to what the recruiting process was like for these players in, in these interviews. What can you tell us about the recruiting process for jaw and how he ended up at uh wake forest was that always kind of a done deal or were there other considerations in terms of it being like a, a last minute toss-up or anything like that um unsurprising for a wake forest recruit um had really no offers coming out of out of high school um he mm -hmm. was i believe committed to temple um home to where his about where he's from he's from britain uh, new jersey so not too far from him uh, Wake kind of swung in late, got him on an official visit around January, right after the early signing period. Um, and then the rest is kind of history there. Um, so, I mean, Wake usually kind of has these guys that have one, two, three offers, and then they end up being sort of, we don't really know why they only have one, two, three offers, but we saw him kind of come in a freshman. We're like, I don't know about this guy from Temple. And then we learned he ran like a four, four, four. And you're like, wait a second. I like that guy a lot. <laughs> Got that legitimate track speed. I know, uh, you know, the Chargers general manager was joking because they drafted uh, JT Woods from Baylor. Yeah. And he's like, well, Jersey track is different than Baylor track. But, yeah, I mean, track speed is track speed. Right. <laughs> um, 
I know he also played receiver in high school. Was there any consideration of him ever playing offense or was it kind of defense from the get-go? Uh, it was defense from the get-go. Um, but Wake really has started, I mean, especially in that year, started trending more towards having these six-foot corners. And I mean, I know he's a little tick under six feet, but they really want to be able to have people that can run on the back end. Um, and so, I mean, I mean, Kevin Higgins knows what he's doing. Um, he's produced a lot of good right receivers, but – I think the the plan for all along was keep him as a corner, and I mean he wasn't supposed to play his first year, and then ended up having to. So, yeah, I saw that he ended up starting the most games in Wake Forest history, or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, originally he wasn't supposed. I mean, Wake loves being a developmental program and saying, "Okay, we're going to bring you in first year. You get in the hyperbolic time chamber. Cool, it's fine." And then. A couple of injuries happened as freshman year, and they were like, he seems to be impressing in practice. And so they just kept throwing him out there um, as more of their nickel corner because they had uh, Mari Henderson, who's at, who's in the Canadian Football League right now, and East St. Bassey, um, who's playing for the Broncos. Mm, uh, they had right. those two guys um, on the outside, and were like, okay, you know, we can throw you out in our nickel package. And then he just kept being out there in the nickel package and kept being out there and kept being out there. And then you kind of just like, okay, cool. This, this, uh, this true freshman is now going to be one of our better corners. Um, and, but we also, but we really didn't have that good of a sense of what he'd be like on the outside until the 2020 season, because I'm coming to Asang and Amari were always there, but you kind of all, we kind of always got a glimpse of him being just this fast guy in the slot. And we're like, okay, this guy's going to play here for a very long time. <laughs> I think he logged almost, 3,000 snaps over five years. Yeah. So, <laughs> man, that's pretty crazy. So, Bassey actually spent a, a few weeks with the Chargers last year right. after <laughs> he came back and was healthy. Now he's back in Denver, which was is kind of funny. But, um, you mentioned his, you know, first year being in the nickel corner. That kind of seems like where the Chargers are going to be penciling him in. Him in and, you know, they rotate, you know, outside, inside a lot. So, I'm sure he'll get right. some outside reps as well. But, um, at least right now, it seems like primarily a slot corner. Um, how would you describe his play from the slot as opposed to the outside and kind of maybe why he would be better uh, kicking inside in the NFL? I think his footwork and his speed just get a lot a lot better when he's in, when the, in the nickel. Um, a lot of times he's, he was matched up with guys that are 6'4", six, 6'5", six, on the outside. Um, and while he did well for, um, for a decent amount of time there, you know, at a certain point, you're only going to win so many battles when you're giving up five, six inches to a guy. Um, that's just yeah. kind of it. But when you're working with those smaller, shiftier receivers, and it's like, okay, cool. Can I match his footwork? Can I match his speed? Getting across the middle. If he's going, if he's going deep, can I match him there? I think that's where his where his a lot of his strengths lies. Like he's a very twitchy athlete. He really changes directions pretty well. Um, and I think that is something that he'll really really pick up. And I mean, it also didn't help that he played a lot more nickel when he was healthy. Um, even, even last year sure. when they had uh, Gavin Holmes and Kalen Carson, a lot of times what they'd love to do was throw the two kind of true, true slash second year freshmen on the outside and throw him on the inside because that's where, where he was. He was always the guy that's wherever your fastest guy is, I'm going to be on him. And so that, I think he'll, that'll translate a little bit better towards the NFL. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's kind of wow they, they see him as well. Um, you mentioned, of course, ton of reps, ton of time in the program, five years there. What can you tell our listeners about Jaw as a leader, as it pertains to kind of you know being that you know upperclassman guy in that in the DB room in the locker room? 
how did he progress as a leader at Wake Forest? Um, it's funny because, I mean, he was a captain this last year. It's something he really had to grow into. Um, he's a really reserved guy. Soup, one of the nice, if you ever meet him off the field, one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Uh, but he's a very reserved guy. And it really took him until, you know, the COVID season and this past season to really step into that role of being a leader. And he's someone that's like, a, he leads by example. He's he's not someone that's going to get in your face um, if you're doing something wrong. He's someone that's just like, I'm, I'm going to do things the right way. I'm going to show up on time. I'm going to show up early and get myself done. And that's the example I'm going to set. And it really, from talking to the younger guys in the room, it really resonated with them. I mean, some people like the the guys that are really amped up and kind of raw-raw yeah. sort of people. But a lot of times in that room, especially with how animated they all get, you know, they already they already get enough of the animation. <laughs> some, it's seeing someone that's just like, hey, this guy's really level-headed. It's just about his business. Um, and it really really spoke levels to why they voted him a captain last year. <laughs> yeah, those DB rooms, man. I think all of them need kind of that low-key lead by right. example leader because, you know, we, we know how high they can get off of those emotions every, every single week. Right. <laughs> so that's good to know. I, um, you know, I'm curious kind of who he is off the field. You mentioned him just being a really nice guy. I think the Chargers have really prioritized, you know, these these late round draft picks who are good culture fits will be contributors in the community. Um, is there anything you can tell us about maybe things that jaw is interested off the field that you think maybe kind of make him a fit there? Um, I mean, in terms of community service, I mean, Wade kind of has a big sort of pr uh, presence in the Wade's and Salem community of like, you know, kind of giving back to the kids. And I think he was someone that was always really involved in that. Um, I mean, he's just really like a fun loving guy. Like I know he's always streaming on Twitch, uh, playing Call of Duty and stuff like that. And that's where you kind of get to see a little more of his personality of him just kind of playing Warzone and stuff. Um, and it's just like, he's someone that I think, a lot of times I think with a lot of athletes we go, they're just kind of these bigger than life people. Yeah. And with, with John, I don't think you really get that. You really kind of get the sense of, hey, you're another human too. Um, you really like, he's never been someone to like turn down an autograph for a kid that's walking by. He's never been someone to turn down anyone saying hello. I remember I hadn't seen him in about three years and I saw him at the Gator Bowl and he and it acted like he, we had seen each other the last like five weeks. Um, he's just, he's a really, really like genuine guy. And I think that if, if you're building a culture of people that are just there to be a good representative, he, you could not find a better mold of person than Ja. Well, that's good to know. I, you know, I think we, you know, we have such a, a limited lens into these players, right? And and I, I think that's a great perspective to bring as somebody who's kind of covered him. Um, my last question about Jaw here, uh, obviously we know the secondary is, in the NFL, you get a lot of injuries. You're maybe an injury away from playing. <laughs> he was an injury away from playing as a freshman. If right. he were, you know, tasked to play right away as a rookie, you think he would be up for the task? And what do you think Charger fans could expect there uh, in terms oh. of his on-the-field play? He'll be he uh, the the motto in the in the DB room is kind of get ready so say ready don't get ready they've always just been like, I mean Wake has always been a team that is your one injury away from playing and he's yeah. someone that's I'm he's gonna prepare I mean I, I kind of follow him on social media and he's already just been like I'm just trying to get ready as possible um, in case and he he wants the shot like I, he's someone that's you're not gonna worry about I don't know does he really care out there is he really like is he just thinking too much he's He's gonna get after it. I mean, and you can kind of see it when you watch the film, especially for him in the run game. Uh, he's someone that is just—he's not afraid to get downhill. He's not afraid to really take on any challenges, whether the guy's two, 20, 30 pounds heavier than him. And I think that'll reflect if he does get the chance, whether it's on 
whether it's in the DB room, whether it's in special teams, like he's, he's, he's ready for a fight. Yeah. I love that. And I think that is something that I noticed on, on tape as well in studying after they drafted and you've got to be able to tackle if you want to play corner for Brandon Staley, you know, that's kind of a requirement number one, if you will. Um, as you may have been able to tell, uh, we are big time draft addicts on this show. Uh, so my last, last question here, uh, who are some Wake Forest guys we should be keeping on for the draft next year uh, that you want to give a shout out to? Oh, what do you need next year? I um, mean, next year is actually going to be a big class, I think, for for Wake. I mean, obviously, Sam Hartman, our quarterback, will be he won't be coming back for his 17th year. <laughs> uh, he, he, but yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a bit older, but I mean, he is one of the best quarterbacks in the, in college football um, last year and will be again this year. Uh, A.T. Perry, um, six foot five, about 180, 190 uh, receiver. Long glider was a long jump, was a long jump guy um, in high school, really is blossomed one of the better receivers. Same thing with Donovan Green on the other end of him. Who's really more of an NFL guy, I think, because he's 6'2, 190, runs about a 442 already. Um, so he's people are looking at him. I think those three, at least offensively, um, are three guys I'm looking at. And defensively, I mean, if he comes out, uh, I've been the biggest fan of Rondell Bothroyd, defensive end. Um, I love people gave, gave a lot of love to Luigi Villane last year. And uh, I mean, he ended up on the Vikings with a huge um, on like, contract. And same thing with. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, who let the ACC in sacks, Bothrop was right there with both of them. Uh, I believe he had eight sacks last year, and he was going up against Iki Okongwu, who was a top five pick. Did it again the year before, going up against Christian Darisol, a top 10 pick last year. It's kind of the same argument I had with Zach Tom of we give all these guys their flowers, and Rondo's just kind of destroying them. And so it's, yeah. at a certain point, you know, maybe the guy that's really good at doing that might get drafted. So. <laughs> There we go. Appreciate that. We will definitely keep an eye on some of those players. And uh, Cam, thanks for taking the time to join me. If uh, any of our listeners out there are Wake Forest people, uh, you never know, you know, in the NFL these days, make sure and give Cam a follow. Check out all his stuff about Wake Forest. And again, Cam, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. No problem. Thanks so much for having me. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.